Good evening, dandies. Welcome to Undetermined, the podcast. How long y'all been doing this? A uh, uh, couple of years, two and a half, yeah. closing in on three. Closing on three. Oh, God damn, really? Yeah. Three? I think it was February uh, 19. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. A minute. It's been a minute. Something like that. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, we're having a good time. We're having a good time. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. That's awesome. It's fun, and it's uh, super cool to have you on tonight. Absolutely, thanks so much for having me. Oh man, it's it's a pleasure. Uh, we welcome the masterful John Heinz from the big old nasty get down. Yeah, uh, joins us tonight. Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's good. I, it is I'm good. really happy to have you, man. Thank you. I really appreciate y'all taking the time to to hang out and chat and. Nah, well, you just, you're a fascinating guy. At least, uh-huh. you know, you seem to be. I'm hoping we're going to find out that's true. I, I mean, I, I hope I hope so. I mean, I, I hope you guys aren't at the end of the thinking, oh, man, what a Oh, hell. shit, we're really <laughs> scraping the barrel now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. No, no, we've done some barrel scraping for sure. But I don't think <laughs> 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're gonna admit it, I guess that's true. But (laughs) (laughs) what are we gonna do this week? I don't know. know. That's the beauty of it. You know, a guy who works in a funeral parlor. I don't. (laughs) No, no, not at all. But shit, yeah. I mean, uh, you've been working the funk scene. And the music scene with some outstanding musicians for how many years now? I mean, I've been aware of you for a while. I think I first started listening to uh, the Bong uh, Volume Two, uh, some tracks off of that. And uh, I'm a big funk fan. My wife is too. We we're, we're a funk household. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, a lot of other shit too. But I mean, uh, yeah, I really dig funk and uh, dig your work, man. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. It's uh yeah, it's been a fun journey with it. It's going on, I think, fourteen years now. Wow. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I ever expected things to grow into the, the project that it has. How the hell could you? <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was one of those things that in the very beginning it was logistically looking like it was going to be an impossible endeavor. And we were able to overcome a lot of the logistics on the first album and thought, you know, maybe we'd have uh, similar luck with the, the second album. And then it, it just um, somehow really kind of took hold and, and the process for the way we do the albums really worked out well. And, um, because of the size of the operation and the number of players that are involved. Um, some of those earlier issues, particularly on the live side of things, uh-huh. lessened because we had a lot more people to reach out to in the event 
that some of the people that were on the the tracks weren't available. So it, oh, okay. it just became a, I don't know. I think kind of through the law of attraction, also it 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 grew into uh, to what it's become as well. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, what, for people that might not be as familiar with the whole project, can we kind of explain the scene. what what it is that Big Old Nasty Get Down is? Sure. And I've, I've been struggling for the last 14 years to find that elevator pitch for it. Like, <laughs> right. what, what in uh, 15 seconds can I say about it that kind of sums it up? And, you know, there there's a lot of different dimensions to the project. And there's a, a lot of reasons that um, I wanted to put it together. Mm-hmm. And I can never tell what's interesting to me versus what's like, right. you know, actually something that somebody wants to hear about. So because there's so many dimensions to it, it, it makes it really hard to kind of sum it into one, right. one little pitch. I'm but, kind of a believer if something is interesting to you and you really put a lot of thought into it, you most people are pretty good at conveying that it is interesting and how it's interesting, but it, you have to um, have it there in the first place, if that makes sense. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. No, that totally makes sense. So the Big Old Nasty Get Down is a um, it's a rotating cast of players made up of household name players all the way down to, uh, you know, the local legends. Um, mm-hmm. We've got you know, players all across the world that are part of it. Mm-hmm. So back in the beginning, I wound up in the the music industry kind of unexpectedly. And one of the very first events that I was part of was the Super Jam. Mm-hmm. And I watched the interaction between the crowd and the players on stage and realized that there are some really special energy happening that night in that situation and the the exchange between the uh, the crowd and the the band was really feeding off each other um more so than at a typical show where a band's just playing you know a set of their songs right this was a, a situation where everybody was just kind of going for it in the moment and mm-hmm. you know walking almost the the musical tightrope where it's like at any second it's like holy shit this could fall apart or yeah but (laughs) but, you know when you have amazing musicians that are that are participating in something like that that are so fluent in the language of music it can carry itself and really take things to some special areas and so I, i got thinking that it might be a really exciting way to do an album if you kind of stage that situation in a studio environment or a more controlled situation where basically you would take a number of players from different bands, um, a bunch of connoisseurs of music and and music fans and put them in a situation together and and, and see what happens. Mm -hmm. That took form in New Orleans for the first time in December of 2007. Okay. So, when I first started in the music industry, I, I toured with a band called the Lee Boys, and they were pretty 
decently known in the festival scene, <laughs> uh, particularly amongst the the different bands and the musicians, because they were just absolutely ridiculous players, just right. phenomenal, phenomenal musicians. Just kind of a band's band. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. um, they would have a lot of musicians that would want to sit in with them. And so through that experience, I wound up meeting a lot of musicians along the way, and I would get different phone numbers and mention the idea of this kind of project that was coming to form in my head and was finding that a lot of people were interested in it, but they thought logistically it would be impossible to put together, you know, we were talking like 20 people mm-hmm. that all had tour schedules. Like how are we going to, you know, find that window of time? But we wound up finding a window of time where everybody was available. And, and so we all gathered in new Orleans. There's 35 of us from 17 bands that <laughs> um, stayed in a, a mansion down on Royal street. And wow. Wow. it was basically through those house parties that we wrote most of the first album. And we had a lot of, you know, music fans that were at the house with us. And so there was that constant energy exchange and that vibe that was held at a really high level throughout this entire week that we're down there. And so (laughs) we initially thought that was going to be a time that we would write and rehearse for the studio that would then happen second trip somewhere you know, I can't remember what we were basing it off of what it was going to be, whether we, when we had money again, or when we had some, I, I don't remember what, what we were necessarily thinking the need to do that secondary thing was Yeah. because quickly it, it became apparent that we were going to need the studio like ASAP and start getting mm-hmm. everything that we were starting to write and recorded. Yeah the place that we had our rehearsal spots at just happened to have a full studio within a big tracking room. And, and so we, we had one group of musicians writing and rehearsing stuff in the rehearsal spots. We had another group that was writing or sorry, recording what they had just written in the rehearsal spots. <laughs> it was almost like, like a crazy assembly line at one point where it was just so much music <laughs> was being made because we had so many players that were so many people. Yeah. Yeah. If you like pick teams or something like that, like how do you figure <laughs> out who goes where, or, you know, it's just yeah. kind of a natural progression to some degree because you, you have, let, let's say for example, you got 20 players, <laughs> maybe 10 of those players will be writing something together. You got, another group that might be eating, right? You got a couple other people that might not even be there yet. So like as the days going on, it's just kind of a natural process of, of rotation in the lineup. Okay. Just through whatever cosmic reasoning, it happens like that. It's not specifically arranged to, you know, Oh, you, 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 and you. Right. Why don't you start writing some stuff? It's it's just kind of organic. However, it falls 
place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like it. It's super organic. Yeah. Being a producer for this project is mostly letting it be. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. There's sure there's very little production that's needed a lot of times because when you're capturing that initial moment or those um, first instincts, a lot of times that's the right the right thing, and that's when you're getting the best performance. And my goal is to basically take that away from everybody as fast as I can. Yeah. Because that's when the thought process and overthinking is kind of taken away from the situation because mm-hmm. you can overthink something so often, but a lot of times people just come back to that first idea and that's often, you know, the, the best, most honest performance that you're going to wind up having. Right. Well, it's, it's kind of the difference between trying to make something happen and allowing something to happen. Exactly. That, that, that's Mm -hmm. totally it. I mean, I'm, I'm just here to make sure that the machine doesn't bump into too much shit along the way. Right. (laughs) Right. Kind of like just let, musicians be musicians let the artists be artists and trust in their creativity because if i wanted to have all of my ideas executed i'd I'd just do it myself yeah there's no reason to hire a bunch of players it's their voice that you're really hiring and and allowing them to stretch out as far as they want because you can always mute shit (laughs) you know like (laughs) It's, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But. Right, you can. It, it, yeah, uh, it's honestly, and I, it's kind of what we try to do with a podcast. Exactly. Yeah, Matt's a master at muting shit, uh, <laughs> especially, <laughs> especially me, or, or you know, anything I might say. It's like, oh, I thought I said something. No, I think he cut that out. <laughs> yeah, well, that didn't seem like it was working. So, right away. <laughs> but. We want it to be, we don't come in with like any real agenda for any episode. It's, let's see where it goes. It's going to develop on its own. And that usually goes to more interesting places when it does. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I I couldn't agree more. That's when the fun really happens too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you can tell when, when something is really prearranged and all mapped out and somebody's sticking to whatever i right i learned through a a major train wreck while being interviewed by larry king the uh, (laughs) the importance of not being stuck to a certain script or expectation going into something that really you just have to fucking look at it as hey i'm gonna hang out and chat with some cool folks and who the fuck knows what we're gonna talk about but it's going to be fun, you know? There you go. Yeah. We're good at that. <laughs> I, want, I want to know what this train wreck was, though. Now, this sounds interesting. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure if I have ever talked about this on anything publicly. Go on. <laughs> I Oh, man. So, I used to party a lot back in the day. Mm-hmm. And yes. I, <laughs> Keep in mind, <laughs> I can mute. <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> Um, and I, I showed up having been up all night, like just a 
fucking train wreck. Barely, right. barely could talk in front of a live studio audience. Oh no! And it was to talk about George Clinton and George Clinton's oh, no. artwork. Oh no! And so I was handed basically the the script from the showrunner of how it was supposed to go down. This was my <laughs> very first like live on air like <laughs> TV camera <laughs> interview and it's fucking Larry King, right? Right, yeah. Not so, small. Yeah, no. no, yeah. no. And I don't know why I thought it was okay to make the decisions that I made the night before, but somewhere <laughs> in my mind, like, you know, this, this makes a lot of sense. I can make myself sure. go to sleep by like midnight. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's, I'll be up and fine in the morning. Right. As I'm like tossing and turning and it's 6.30 and I've got to be up at 7. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, I'll get an hour of sleep. If I fall asleep, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So, all of a sudden, I look at the the other guests that are on there, and it's like Sherry Belafonte and Curtis Mayfield, White, <laughs> and, and David Foster, and all these people that for uh, years and decades have been groomed to be awesome on camera. <laughs> and there's my dumbass that shows up just like <laughs> barely even able to tell them who I am, mm. which, you know, is like, I don't mean to laugh at you. It sounds no, like a nightmare. It's, it's awful. <laughs> it was a fucking nightmare. So <laughs> finally, I'm the last one to go. Yeah. And I've seen all the rest of the people do their shit and it's brilliant and i'm like i got this (laughs) so so first thing that happens is former miss ireland and i have to do a lead-in for (laughs) my segment Mm -hmm. and i'm just like already not doing so great and so then (laughs) so then the thing is i've got to go outside Right. And the whole thing is like come through these doors from the outside off Hollywood Boulevard and into the place where it's being filmed, which is the first floor of the W Hotel. Okay. And it's a corner unit, all windows, so people can look in and you can see the audience from the outside. And it's just like, holy shit, this is, (laughs) this is fucking awesome. That's intense. Yeah. It was super intense. So, so I get in there. And I sit down, all of a sudden, the finance, the guy that's putting up the money for this show is also going to be interviewing me. And I don't know about this. So mm. I'm sitting in the middle. I got Larry to the left and this other guy to the right of me. <sighs> and the first thing I notice is they've got one of the Clinton pieces upside down. <laughs> and they start asking oh, no. about it. And I freeze. And, I, and all of a sudden, I notice the cameras. And I'm like, holy oh. shit. I'm just like, <laughs> every single question. And at one point, there was Larry's ex-wife, Sean, was doing a segment with him mm-hmm. for me. And I, I think it may have been with Sherry Belafonte. And she fucked up or something in, in her, her monologue or, or whatever and was like, Stop, let's cut that again. Right. I'm like, okay, cool. So at one, point, <laughs> at one point, I pulled the stop. Ask me that question again, again. right in the middle yeah. of 
everything. Mm -hmm. And that's when it really hit the fan because now everyone's looking at me like, what the what fuck the is this guy doing? <laughs> is, is he like trying to produce? Like he's, he's, he's dominant and now he's trying to produce it too. It's like, what? So yeah, that was the Larry King disaster. Thank God. I don't know whatever happened to the footage of it. I mean, this is going back years. I, I, oh. If it was a little bit fresher, I probably wouldn't be talking about it. But this is one of those things that now I look back because I don't do the same things I used to do so far as partying and right. blah, 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 blah. So I, I, I can look at it with some humor now, but holy shit. Don't yeah. worry. That was a fucking it, We'll find it and we'll post it. <laughs> if, if you can, if you can, I would love to see my most shameful so moment I. ever. And I would like to share that with all of you. Like, what's the point of having a shameful moment if you can't share it with people? Right. Those are the best moments, though. I mean, those, those are the ones that make you human. Right. Because everybody relates to that on some level. Everybody's oh, yeah. had that moment. Yeah. Maybe not on quite that scale. <laughs> no, I can't. But it makes everything easier from that point forward, right? Yeah. Because it's like yeah. when the worst that could happen happens, you can only go up from there. That that's that's literally the same shit that happens. Not not with the partying situation, but the same thing that happened when I wound up on on the road to Lee Boys because it was totally unexpected, and and so I wound up getting invited to their show, and they like right in the middle of the song, they invited me up to come sit in, and the bass player played a seven string bass, mm. and I hadn't plugged into anything in forever. Mm -hmm. I hadn't played in a band since I was in high Ooh. school. And all of a sudden, now I'm 30 and getting handed a seven-string bass in front of me. Oh, shit. And so I panicked. Mm. And I'm, like, trying to get them to, like, get me my bass. Because mm -hmm. that's got four strings, and I can handle that. And right. that was another one that was just like a total nightmare. But, like, that was the worst that could fucking happen is, like, just totally shit out like that on stage. Yeah. And now you know you can survive it because, well, you survived it. Yeah. Yeah, are you familiar with that one guy? I know who he is, but I haven't seen his work. Mike Silverman, he's he's pretty awesome, dude. We had him on yes. uh, one of our first guests. Yeah, yeah. But he has this story, like he he's really an incredible stand-up bass player. But he's he's best known for his. Oh, he created his own instrument called the Magic Pipe. Yeah, and that's what he plays everything on now. Oh, no shit. But he's he's an amazing stand-up bass player, and he hadn't played it for years. And somebody uh, informed Tom Waits, hey, this guy's really good. <laughs> yeah. Tom Waits invites him to you know come in and record with him, and he hasn't played it in years. Like, his calluses <laughs> are gone. The bass has been <laughs> in storage, and he had to, like, mad dash it and just try to get back to where he was even more close to it. Yeah, it's a great story. He tells it to us. I'm going to have to check that out. That, that's something that you got posted. Yeah. Yep. There's a good, <laughs> there's a good uh, bumper <laughs> called the ballad of Mikey, <laughs> called the ballad of Mikey two dicks. It's a hilarious it's story. Be, I, it, telling yeah, it, it's a very funny it, story. It won't do it justice. You have to no. listen to his. <laughs> you do. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah yeah really really that's awesome yeah, really talented guy good stuff
But yeah, you survived. You came through, came out the other side. Yeah, yeah. And people still want to play with you. That's that's great. <laughs> but I mean, uh, shit. <laughs> the lineup, man. Yeah, I, the lineup. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about that. The lineup. Especially, you got Bong 3 coming out, right? Yeah. Yes. It's been a long time in the work. Well, everything has, man. With, it, with everything that's going down. Yeah. I mean, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not, last year, though, as awful as it was seeing what happened to the live music scene and a lot of my friends uh-huh. and whatnot, it was literally the most productive year I've ever had. Wow. Well, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's good to hear. Yeah, I'm, I'm super grateful for that. And a lot of that was because everybody was home mm. and because it's a project that's, you know, made up of players from all these different bands. Yeah. So what would usually take a couple months and eight or nine phone calls was coming back in 24 hours Yeah. when I would send tracks out. And I, and I figured out how to do everything from a remote situation and have it sound like everybody's in the same room. Hmm. So that opened up the, I, I guess that opened up the ability to expand the lineup tremendously because it wasn't about having to choose 20, 25 players to invite to a, you know, week long session to write the stuff. Now it's okay. I can find a, an arranged drum track that we recorded mm. maybe 10 years ago and oh, yeah. send that off to a bass player for the first move or a keyboard player for the first move and let them play whatever the fuck they want on it. Right. And then listen back to it and say, geez, if I could have any guitar player play on this now to add to what that keyboard player just put on top of those drums, who would that be? And then, you know, I would start with that person. And if they weren't available or, you know, didn't want to take a stab at it, I, you know, I just kind of move down the line. But most, I would say 95% of the stuff, the, the person I was hearing that I was hoping would be on it would be available and, and wanting to work. So there was like 80 or 90 songs that I would say got put into production last year, most of which are either done or, you know, probably 75% of the way done. Wow. And none of the songs have the same lineup. It was just literally, you know, kind of just passing it around. Nice. Wow. How do you, how do you even keep track of that many players on that many st- to know, like, oh, wait a minute, who who played guitar on that? Who played uh, spreadsheets? <laughs> spreadsheets, yeah. Spreadsheets. yeah, endless spreadsheets. It, I used to be able to do it all in my head, yeah, but I I'm now just getting old. How could with the number of people you're working with now? I mean, you're getting into hundreds now, aren't you? Yeah, there's oh, geez, probably somewhere around 250 people Jesus. that have been part of the project. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a pretty magical journey in a lot of ways, just getting to mess with some of these people that I grew up listening to and and being able to create something new with them and have them excited about what we did. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's got it's got a lot of cool aspects. Yeah. Those royalties are gonna be a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. You get twenty cents, you get fifteen cents. I think you, yeah, yeah it, 
I'm, I'm sure they're all in it just for the, yeah, just for the music. Yeah. I know I'm not because I'm, <laughs> I'm sure not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think everybody, everybody but me has made some money on the project. So <laughs> I, I get uh, it. And that's okay. I mean, that experience though, my God, man, you know how many people would give oh, yeah. whatever they had to have that kind of an experience to just have that kind of access to people and communicate with those kinds of people and really build something really unique and fun like that. That's worth more than money in my opinion. Yeah, I I totally agree. Yeah, I mean to to be able to experience things on that level. Yeah, it, it it's part of the non uh, financial rewards that come with it. Yeah, how many times do you have that that moment? Like I would imagine it's happened multiple times for you. Just that pause to reflect and holy shit, did this thing just happen? Yeah. Did that really just happen? Oh my God. There's been a number of times just because I, you know, I'm a huge fan of music mm-hmm. and it guided me a lot. If you hear, oh, if you hear some noise in the background, Butters, my uh, cat and uh, band mascot, has joined the conversation. Right on. Hi, Butters. Yeah. Hi, Butters. And now she's biting me. There <laughs> yeah. we go. <laughs> so, um, I mean, because of that, like, there's so many times that I'll just be like, whoa, that's fucking wild. Yeah. Like, I remember we had a session where Stephen Perkins from Jane's Addiction was drumming in the morning and Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers was drumming in the afternoon, mm. same session. That's insane. And that was just like, oh, my God, what's the, like, how did this happen? Yeah. Or having a, a session where you've got, Oh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's just so many, so many crazy situations that have happened. Well, I mean, it, it, George fucking Clinton for, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, I mean, he, he opened up a lot of doors. Yeah. George was a huge, uh, I don't know him, him getting involved so early on in the project. Right was huge but in other ways it was something that we had to be super careful with because when you have somebody like george get involved all of a sudden it's now a george clinton project right mm-hmm. well, i can see that yeah yeah and everybody wants george there mm-hmm. and it's like well george has got his shit going on he's not gonna quit parliament funkadelic to join my <laughs> band right you know and and honestly he is just a musician like the rest of us in this project right well nor would you want him to you wouldn't want him to quit parliament you know right no i mean it's it's like that with anybody that's participating in this band this is this is a, a secondary home for them right not something that's to compete with or take anything away from their primary band or their, you know, what, what they're doing. This is just a, a place to just expanding horizons a little bit, trying yeah, to do something a little bit different and yeah, just having some fun. Yeah. Mix it up with some different folks and, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's one of the things that I, that has been really nice to hear over the years with some of the sessions. Cause you know, I, I mentioned originally that the, way we were doing the albums was getting together at these houses and, and doing these week long house parties and writing the albums. Uh-huh. 
But when I moved out here and after we did the second album, the I had seen the Sound City documentary. Yeah. 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 I read about this earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a trip and I was like, shit, you know, that's, that's the board that I want to mix volume two on. Mm-hmm. The Neve board. Yeah. The, the Neve. The Neve. Yeah. The Neve. Cause we've, we've used Neves on, I think we've used Neves on all of the stuff with volume one and volume two when we were tracking mm-hmm. oh, okay and we mixed at george's he's got a 80s neve at his place mm. but it's it's not like the one dave's got mm-hmm. and so it just so happened that i knew somebody that knew somebody that knew dave's wife mm. <laughs> and i just about given up on the idea of trying to go up there and, and mix the album and then Within eight hours or something after finding out that this person had a way to be able to to get in touch with the studio, we had the go-ahead. Wow. And we got five days there. And we went up there and we mixed it. And when we got up there, like, everybody was so nice. And we were thinking, well, huh, I wonder if this is – I wonder if they're just paid really well. (laughs) Yeah. and it's like right. you know it's a happy place to work. but no they were like really genuinely nice and treated us so well and and we developed an, a, a great relationship with all of the guys that that ran the studio up there almost to the point like when we finished that last day it was almost like the last day of camp and everybody was sad to go home and everything yeah so we just started doing session after session after session up there. And that became more of a day session type of thing where I call a bunch of cats, you know, from in town and we just go and do whatever for 10 hours up there and um, see what, what we could come up with. And that's how that process kind of evolved from the houses into the the day sessions, because it's, you know, when we do the house, type of thing it's so fucking expensive to fly everybody there yeah i can't imagine jesus yeah it's gnarly and and i would rather be able to put those just logistical expenses in the players pockets Mm -hmm. you know so now it's evolving more into just no studio at all you know i get some ideas in my mind about some drums Mm -hmm. And I'll hit up one of my drummers and ask them to arrange something that's 102 BPM that's, I don't know, three and a half minutes long. Yeah. That goes A, B, A, B, C, B. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they shoot it back to me and then I'll Mm -hmm. pick a bass player or a keys player and off it goes. And, you know, it makes it way, way easier now. Mm-hmm. It, it's not as fun as being in the studio right but holy shit we can get some amazing stuff done because you also have players that are in their own environment now with all of the tools in their toolbox yeah right there in front of them and the pressure of everybody else watching them or them feeling like everybody's watching them is kind of lifted right yeah we were talking to matt chamberlain uh when all the pandemic shit started and he talked about 
how it would, there was something like freeing for him to be able to do a lot of stuff from home because he had all of his shit there. Right. He could do whatever he could dream of. He could do it at home in his own personal studio. Absolutely. You know, no loadout, none of that shit. And it was just, you know, you can sit there in your pajamas and like, you know, hey, I can light something out of that. Yeah. He just made it a lot in that way, made it a lot easier. But he, he did miss the, uh, you know, camaraderie and the, you know, just being around people or, you know, those little nondescript things that people do with the uh, nonverbals and yeah. Yeah. Nonverbals. Things like that. Yeah. yeah. There, there definitely is a, a special thing that happens when everybody is together yeah there's no doubt about that and and it's way more natural but it's fucking crazy how close to that you can get without anybody even being Mm. you can do that with people that have never even met each other yeah and that's mind-blowing some of the things that you can do now remote and it's i i feel weird saying that because i was such a purist with one analog two, everybody being together yeah three like it being this process this this thing that you know we experience together and this is the end result from it versus hey remember that time i emailed you well (laughs) i emailed like five other people too and this is what everybody came back that you know, and this is now how it sounds. Surprise. Yeah. You know, that's cool too, but it's, it's different. Yeah. It's almost, it's the new normal though, isn't it? Yeah. In a lot of ways. I mean, it's, it's like what we do. I mean, we communicate with everybody uh, online and in a lot of ways we've done a, you know, studio recording, but it's like, you know, it's most of the time it's, it's this, Yeah. you know, and we still feel like we're in the same place Yeah. and it's cool that we have, uh, you know, software that works that way. Speaking of which, I'm curious what software you were using, like eliminate lag and, and all that shit to make that happen. Okay. So with, with the, the recording live, mm-hmm. we're passing it around, passing around, sharing and stuff. I'm passing around an MP3 bounce. Okay. And so they're, they're basically just shooting back. They, I mean, they have to have their own setup at home to be able to do it. Basically. It, yeah. It's not like we're tracking live together just in different spots. Okay. Basically, I'm giving the track to each musician along the way as the next player adds their part. Gotcha. So I'm building it up instrument by instrument. Oh, okay. Not knowing a lot of times what even is going to come back to me that I'm going to be working with. Yeah. And that that part's fun because it's a surprise for me too. Right. It's like opening a present every time, <laughs> every, every time. Yeah. And a lot of my friends that, that are producers as well, haven't, they haven't embraced that process as much, I think, as I have. Hmm. Yeah. Have you heard of side four collective? I don't know if I have or not. Okay. So friend of ours, we had him on what, about six months ago, something like that. Yeah. Dave Hinger, he's a Irish drummer. Yeah. Played with some pretty good bands there. Uh, and he started this project where it was just him fucking around on the drums. He'd come up with riffs and they'd make just like an MP3 and they'd just send it out there and let people build songs around his riffs. Uh huh. Oh, cool. It's really fucking cool. It's really neat. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. 
So last year, the way this whole remote thing kind of started was I had this idea for a project that was going to be taking the same exact drum track Mm -hmm. and send it to my favorite 15 bass players and see what they come up with. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And everybody sent me back their take on that drum track that I sent over and nothing sounded alike. Right. Obviously, you yeah. know, it, it was kind of a, an experiment to see, you know, just how far you can go creatively using the same template. Right. So I built up every one of those tracks into its own song. Mm-hmm. And literally it's impossible to hear a lot of times that it's even the same drum beat. Like you can't even tell it's the same BPM half the time mm. because Mm-hmm. What happens is, for example, you send it to a bass player. Well, where the bass player is placing the notes on top of that drum track is going to differ from track to track. So you're getting different accents of the drums that are coming out through the mix hmm. that aren't being covered up by the other instrument. Huh. So it gives it a different feel altogether in that aspect. But then if you... If you go super jazz on it, you can actually make it sound 10 BPM slower than if you put something that's a little more metal based on it. But it's literally the same drum track. So I did this with a Jack Irons drum track and I did it with a Chad Smith drum track. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the albums that's going to be coming out hopefully next year is is this collection of songs that are off of this one drum track. Have you ever tried, and it sounds like it wouldn't work, but it, I'm just so curious because I like to mix shit up. Like, since it has the same foundation under it, what happens if you layer them? Hmm. Funny you should ask that. It, in some ways, does work like Legos. Okay. Um, in other ways, it won't. But in a, a couple situations, it did. And it was just because I, I had run out of option okay so i we had this one song that was basically moderately political mm-hmm. that was in production and everybody sang their part and then i sent it off for the last vocalist to write their part and sing their verse mm-hmm. and it comes back it was like smoking about yeah, he was he was talking about smoking weed and himself this is not at all like it's both you know this is not right. not gonna work but it was a great verse uh-huh. and, and a good execution of it so i was like fuck i wonder if i could move this over to another song that actually had something weed related to it in the title right that was on the same drum track and it fit like a lego Mm-hmm. It was perfect, and I sent it back to the dude, and he couldn't figure out like what, what the happened? fuck had happened because it's, <laughs> like he, yeah. he had he had tracked to it. Yeah. And it How it, much it, weed it, were you smoking, <laughs> man? You don't get it, yeah, right? Exactly. Don't, don't you remember this was this was the song? Yeah. No, this totally. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. So that was that was definitely a trip. I haven't gone too deep with with that yet, but. As soon as the album drops, then I'll I'll start getting really crazy with different mixing and matching. But I had another one recently where I was able to take some vocals from a session 13 years ago and edit them into something that sounds like the vocalist tracked it 
to the song that didn't exist until like three months ago. Oh, wow. You can really do some interesting things these days. Yeah. Oh, geez. Uh, yeah. I mean, everything from pedal arrays to just the technology we have is just, I, you know, I'm looking at getting one of those like spark systems for the, uh, for my guitar and running it through the computer. And it's like, I just can't, I don't have enough time in my day. Yeah. You know, for, for how much shit I could possibly do and how much stuff I could tweak or edit. I mean, that's, that's all I would do. Man, it, it, to keep that together um, with the cast of characters you got is uh, is really impressive. I got to say, man. Oh, uh, thanks. Yeah, and not just go off on a tangent. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> just wind up in a hole. Yeah. Some people could, and it's like, oh, wait, I got to put an album out. That's right. Yeah, I'm supposed to be doing some shit. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to wind up forgetting about that and just continuing this per produce more and more and more and more because yeah. the, the minute you put the putting the album part out's the shitty part <laughs> yeah, for me really. anyway. yeah i can yeah, see that totally yeah. i love the process of creating it but god there's so much on the other side that's a nightmare no i totally hear you like i love doing the po- i love this part this is my favorite part of doing the podcast editing yeah i'm you know sometimes it's fun sometimes i'm like oh my god i'm ready to get through this yeah right it's just uh and then we get to like the social media and posting it and oh what do i want to write and uh, right i I don't want to do any of that i just want it to all take care of itself right yeah that's the way to do it I, i wish i could find a team that was able to execute the master plan that's what we all need we all need a social media well yeah no shit yeah now hiring at uh undetermined the podcast paid in a free t-shirt <laughs> right yep. undetermined the paycheck undetermined yeah. the yeah. paycheck <laughs> <laughs> the paycheck to be determined yeah we need it we need internet goblins that's that's what we need most people can figure that algorithm out let's get them algorithms what a fucking nightmare trying to keep up with that stuff. God, tell me about it. It's awful. People trying to get us on the tickety talks and the whatnots. And, and uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I can't do it. I haven't done talk yet. I, I can't even wrap my head around it. I mean, like I say, I mean, we, we are every, everybody who's been on the show, they're our best customers. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh man, we love the fucking show. We had a great time, and uh, yeah, we're going to share it. And then, well, that's kind of you know, hopefully, that's a sign that it's something worthwhile. Yeah, and I would say it's probably similar with you, right? Yeah. Constantly, John and I are like, how the fuck did we just do this again? Yeah, yeah. You know, or how do we? You know, and not even nearly the scale that you're doing it on. We're both just like, holy shit, we're awesome. Yeah. Just that we, not in a, like full of ourselves, but more of a, how the fuck did we pull this off? Right. Yeah. Totally. No, it's like bringing any idea to life is like major, no matter how big or small it seems on paper. Like just the follow through is the big part. Just making the shit happen and sticking with it. You know? Right. I guess that's it. I guess that's it. Just keep grinding. That's what they say to do. Anyway. Yeah. I'm going to stick with that advice. Yeah. Hey, man, I I would be remiss if I didn't talk about that fucking amazing bass that uh, uh, Tony just made for you. Oh, yes. That thing is fucking sweet. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, thank you. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. From Manabasso. Yes. Tony makes these amazing custom bases. Uh, he's out of Oregon, isn't he? Yeah. I think he's Bend. Is it Bend, Oregon? Is it Bend, Oregon? Yeah, I think it might be. But Yeah. Yeah. He hooked up with that flame base. It's, it's got like, oh, man, you guys just have to go look on social media and look it up. It's it's amazing. It's um this custom base. It's got uh, these LED like flames inside it and shit. And then like these custom wood knobs. Oh, it's so killer. Oh, man. Thank you. Yeah. Tony, Tony absolutely blew me away with the base when it arrived. We had talked about doing something for. For a while now, we have a mutual friend, Harold, that connected us. And I was going through a phase where I didn't, I didn't really want to play bass. I was, I was enjoying buying them and collecting <laughs> them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm, sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I had never had a bass built custom before. Mm. We started talking, and originally I had asked them about doing backlit shooting stars in the form of a semi-hollow. Okay. And we discussed it a little bit further, and it didn't seem like the stars were going to work. And so then I've got hot rod flames tattooed on my wrist. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, what about about flames? Mm -hmm. And so that's how that all came about and watching him build the base from going from that very beginning of the wood selection for the top to what it is as i'm looking at it right now is is fucking mind-blowing oh god they're so beautiful yeah i don't have kids so like this (laughs) is probably the, the closest to watching like a child be born in my world as I'll probably ever get. Yeah. So that that was amazing. Yeah. Tony Walters of Manabasso Fine Electric Bases. I mean, so I've I've got a, a pretty large collection of bases and of them all, and not just because it's, this is my signature base or because I'm I'm trying to boost Tony up. It, it's it's truly the the best base I have in the house, and I, I've got. Nice. You know, boutique bases for days. Mm. Stuff that, you know, are, are highly sought after pieces. And this thing from a quality of build, yeah, the, the craftsmanship's just unreal. And the sound and the some of the different features that are unique to it. Like, this one doesn't have a nut. Okay. It's a zero. Nut, right. Yeah. Yeah. Which I've never seen that before. And it sounds and plays unbelievably with it. And that, I, you know, I think that's all, you know, Tony's genius there. Yeah, that's engineering. Yeah, it's something else. Yeah. I'm super, super lucky to, to be working with him and to be able to call it my signature base. So that's... That's awesome. That's sweet. That's been uh, really cool. We've got three of them that are being built right now. Mm-hmm. I've got a second one that's being built for me and then two that are for the for the market and one of one of them sold already and i think the other one may have somebody on it now too yeah people are digging them nice i did put a little seed in his head just following that i told him i said you know what you should do you should make a series man you should make like and like use this one for like the four elements make fire 
and earth and wind and water and do like a four elements. And he was like, that's a really good fucking idea. And he's like, I'm going to do that. Nice. <laughs> that, that really is. Yeah, that like, would be cool. And I was like, oh, well, okay. You know, I'll, I'll give him time to keep working. I'm actually uh, looking for a base for my kid right now. He's He's been uh, expressing some interest in learning that. Oh, no. Don't think I'm quite ready to go there nah, yet. You can't afford <laughs> one of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a rabbit hole. Yeah. He's going to get a $50 pawn shop base and see if he sticks with it. Nothing wrong with that. No. Believe it or not, I, I take out a $200 Mexican jazz base. Mm-hmm. mainly when i'm touring and that's yeah i think that's one of the nicer bases too in the house it's it's really just whatever feels good yeah you know yeah i think that's the big thing how it feels in your hand yeah that above anything i shit uh, matt knows i bought way too many guitars offline just... <laughs> <laughs> it looks cool you just got a fire right right a lot of more wall hangers, just my house, just because they look cool. Yeah, they're cheaper than art. Yeah, they they are in a lot of and ways. They're beautiful. I love guitars. Luckily, my wife does too, or else she would have divorced me a long time ago. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, it looks like a fucking hard rock cafe. Hard rock cafe. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. As as a kid, that was my dream was to have my house look like a hard rock cafe yeah yeah <laughs> it looks like a hard rock cafe and i want it to look like something else <laughs> i'm living the dream <laughs> of a 16 year old 16 yeah <laughs> right exactly yeah. that's when you're 16 you don't realize having 50 bases is not going to impress the girls. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> yeah, it just seems creepy after a while. It's like, yeah, you could have stopped about five or six or 20 ago. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Five or six is sexy. You know, 20, 15, eh, pushing it. Yeah. I've got 32 in the bedroom. Oh, no. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, which is which is disturbing. It's it's more it's more a hoarder's situation. <laughs> right, right. right. There's nowhere to have cases in my my bedroom, but right. that's what's happened. And that's a lot of kids. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the bedroom. Wow. It puts the oil on its strings, or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's right, Precious. It gets the hose. Do you ever come up against across one and be like, I don't remember buying this? Yes. Oh no. It's been um, it's happened a few times where I'll I'll grab a case thinking it's something that it's definitely not. Right. (laughs) It's like what is this? I don't know. In a studio sense, it's fun to have a lot of different colors with the instruments to be able to play with, but. Also, I, I look at a lot of this stuff as, as a functional investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, as a musician, you can write it off, and if you buy them right, they go up in value. Right. So it, it's always something that you can actually do pretty pretty decent on and, and kind of let a collection pay for itself eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I keep telling myself. Got any you're looking to let go of in the 50 to $100 range? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no. Um, nope. Oh well, I'm trying to think what is out there. I'm always looking, so I, I'm 
usually pretty hip to what's out there. But like for something like that, I would go local because you, yeah. you'd be winding up spending sure. that and shipping. Oh, yeah. I see people like on the marketplace and it has shipping, you know, oh, yeah, that looks like a good deal. And wait, I can't even come see it. It's a used one. Yeah. You're going to mail it to me for $50? Eh. Yeah. That makes me nervous. Totally. There's definitely, I don't know, like a, a Squire P-Base is probably a, a good bet. Yeah, that's what I'm actually hoping to find. Yeah, see, what did I tell you? <laughs> yeah, something something along those lines, because it's, it's versatile and it's going to give you that sound. Yeah. It's, it's the classic P-Base sound for the most part. Yeah, and they're a workhorse. Yeah. They're, they're a two-by-four. I mean, they're just a... a flat plank i mean they don't break down they don't you know yeah that's what that's what i told him anyway it's like don't buy like a hollow body or or some shit like that for your kid for the first one just get a big plank workhorse make him make him play it like a barbed wire fence you know (laughs) (laughs) make him work for it (laughs) yeah it was like that first (laughs) shitty epiphone les paul i bought just you know the action's got to be like three inches off the off the fret yeah you know, you got to work for it, man. You get those calluses up. Yeah. So you're getting together uh bong three. And what do you think the new album is going to drop? I'm hoping to be able to have it out by end of spring, probably. Okay. Yeah. It's um. so the music's for the most part. Hang on. Let me just open up the file okay. real quick. Cause I'm, I'm working on three, four, five, and two others. The Chad drum and, and the, the Jack drum albums. Yeah. I just have to look to see. Um, well, maybe, maybe we can shave a month off it like yeah. tonight. We'll, just, we'll just, yeah. crank it out. We'll work it out. <laughs> yeah, totally. It looks like, yeah, for the most part, everything's done tracking wise. I've got to fly the vocals in on two songs and then mix and master and and that's done just waiting on the artwork and the layout for that and then put that order in for the vinyl and then it's like volume four is pretty close to so hopefully the those can be put out fairly close to one another i'd i'd like it to not take five years between (laughs) albums yeah it's just, you know, it's so fucking expensive to put this stuff out that, like, it just takes that long for right. me to come up with the, the cash to, to do so and to get the, a lot of times, the exact players that I would like to have on the songs on the songs. <clears throat> yeah. Got any, like, dream artists that you're still working to bring on? Yep. Definitely. Well, you just made an announcement. Who's the uh, who's the latest artist who's uh, going to take that on? By the way, for visual arts, yeah, yeah, for visual art, Owen Murphy. Yes, yes, he's doing the volume three artwork. Cool. Yeah, he has been killing it lately, just putting out some amazing art. And then on the music side of things, well, there's there's a couple other visual artists too, like Ken Taylor from Australia. Mm-hmm. He's a unbelievable artist i'd like to do stuff with who else david welker chuck speary yeah yeah Yeah, there's a there's a number of folks that i'd still like to do stuff with jeff wood Mm -hmm. but then on the music side i would say there's there's a few people still but 
in large part, I've, I've been able to work with the majority of the folks that I, I ever would have liked to work with. Mm-hmm. Niall Rogers is somebody that's still on my list that I would love to work with. Mm-hmm. I just emailed him a track uh, about a week ago, waiting to hear back on, on that one. Getty Lee's one that I would uh, love to work with. Alex Lifeson, too. Sure, yeah, why not? Either of them. Oh, those guys? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, those guys. Uh, so I, I recently got in touch with Getty because I, I bought one of his bases. Oh, wow. A year ago. Me and my business partner wound up buying it. Huh. So that put me in touch with him just to verify everything and so on and so forth. But I haven't I haven't had the courage or the I haven't developed the the relationship enough to, to ask. Right. Yeah, I get it. One one of these days, I I, I might. Well, there's some boy. You, sometimes you really look up to someone so much that it is scary as fuck to ask. Yeah, it it is, and in a lot of ways, I've I've almost become desensitized to it because I've been, you know, you get rejected a lot too. Sure. During the process, I mean, you figure there's but 250 people that are part of it. I mean, think about how many knows I've probably had have heard over the years. Yeah. There's a certain, you know, you, you almost desensitize to it or you don't really become starstruck around the musicians or whatever. But there's still, you know, a couple out there like Getty that's, yeah, holy shit, that's Getty Lee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> About 12 years ago, no, maybe it was 10 years ago, mm. I started managing for a brief period before he passed away, Jay Adams, the skateboarder from Dogtown Z Boys. Okay. Yeah. And I was around all of the old Powell and Peralta guys and all the Dogtown Z Boys guys, and I was losing my shit. Yeah. Like internally, like, holy oh God. Mm-hmm. These guys, like, oh my God. This is incredible. <laughs> right. But like you put me in that same world of, of musicians or movie stars or whatever. It's like, I don't have that same thing, but for some reason around the skaters, <laughs> yeah. it was just like my fucking mind was blown. And it, you know, it's, it was probably because there's a lot more exposure to that as a kid. Sure. Seeing, you know, them flying in the air than, yeah. you know, I was getting on the music side of things. Yeah. So that was, you know, left a massive, impre- massive impression on me. But yeah, Get- Getty was on similar level though with the, with the skaters. That was just like holy shit! Like oh, I yeah. He just replied like, "Whoa, I get it." We're we're the same way. I think with like asking people on the podcast, mm-hmm. you know, I think we've gotten to a point where we're pretty comfortable with the thought that somebody's going to say no or more likely just not say anything at all. Yeah. That happens a lot. Sure. But there are some that I'm just like, I can't bring myself to ask them. Right. Yeah. And there, and there are others where like Matt is invited and it's like, uh, Oh, Hey, you know, we've, uh, you know, he was talking about Matt Chamberlain earlier. It's like, Oh, you got the drummer from Pearl Jam. I'm like, yeah, cool. It's around. And, uh, you know, I've got, <laughs> and, but I'll be like, I'll be just, freaking out about some really obscure Chicago industrial band (laughs) 
that nobody knows. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, I can't talk to him. I'm like, oh, he's coming on the show. What do we do? Oh. <laughs> you know, just yeah. I'm just fucking fangirling, and I, I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> I'm like, oh fuck, oh fuck, I'm nervous. And you're like, really? They sold like 20 yeah. records, dude. What do you? <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I had one, <laughs> and it was my favorite. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's all you build that iconography up in your mind and it, sure absolutely i can totally see that yeah we go through it a lot yeah at the end of the day we're all living unlikely dreams right now so it's- sure just fucking roll with it yep yep rock and roll with it yep well man we don't want to keep you on all night no problem is there anything you want to throw out or plug or that we haven't already got to everything's kind of slow in my world right now so nothing really to plug i mean we've got our website www.thebigoldnastygetdown.com mm-hmm. we've got a store some fabulous merch yeah i saw john sporting one of your cats. oh sweet yes thank you john for for that up. the fucking stozo hat awesome Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Stozo design. Stozo the clown. Yeah. He's a big figure in the fishbone and P Funk world. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that fucking hat. I wear that hat everywhere. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Where else can we get your shit? Um, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I, we're on all the digital platforms. Check out volume one and two there. But yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been laying low. So like, I haven't really. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't had anything to pimp in a minute. Yeah, check your streaming devices. Say, "Hey Google, play the big old nasty get down." Yeah, or say, "Alexa, play the big old nasty get down." <laughs> Bam! There you go. Absolutely, John Heinz. Thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This is a blast, man. We'd love to have you back on sometime. Yeah, really good time. Oh yeah. This was so much fun. Thank you both for having me. I really enjoyed this. Cool, cool. Anytime you want to come back, man. Yeah. Just let us know when the new album drops or, or anything else and anything else. All right, guys. Well, enjoy your weekend. We will do that. Yeah.